0: Thank you, man, sir. And a happy new year to all of you guys. It's so good to actually have physical faces to preach to as opposed to that camera. It's a nice camera, but it's not as nice as you guys. And I hope you had a great festive season. Um, The thing about festive seasons is there's two different types of people that rock up with two different sets of ideas for a festive season. You might have encountered that some people think the festive season is an opportunity to do a lot of house administration. You will know them in your family. They want to repack cupboards, repaint cupboards, rearrange cupboards, repaint fridges, rearrange this, fix that, and that's their idea of a festive season. There's another category of people in the festive season And they also have a definitive idea of becoming very familiar with the couch, as if it has a magnetic property, and this I testify to in the Lord myself. But my wife, as you can imagine, she is the busy bee. She says, yes, it's festive season. Now we can do house admin. And she starts having a bunch of plans of what she's going to do. But I read those billboards, I don't know if you did, that said, choose joy this festive season. So I chose the joy of the couch. And couch attendance is very important, I believe. Uh, One of the spiritual gifts that I do possess. Um, If you are also a fellow couch attendant over the festive season, may the Lord bless you and keep you and shine upon you. But if you are festive season busy bee, I pray that now you're satisfied in your soul. And that we can move on with our life but because I'm a couch attendant I now feel refreshed hallelujah it's almost like that's what festive season was for and now I'm rearing to go for all that God has for us as a church this year and especially I'm keen to kick off the preaching for this year but before I get into this specific preacher I wanted to give you guys a window into how we actually come up with the preaching calendar because I think it would be important for you guys to understand that When we come up with a preaching calendar, we don't just say what will sound cool or what will be a cool graphic. It's actually a collaborative effort by every ordained elder in the church. So every ordained elder in the church submits what they believe is important for us to touch on, preach about in this next year. And then we collaborate that and we divide it into let's try and cover all this either through the book that we do or through a topical series. And so 50% of the year we believe we should be hitting these topics that elders believe, like we've gotta grab a hold of these topics. And the rest of the 50% of the year is an important book that we believe takes us forward as a church. And so for 50% of the year, we're gonna be doing topical preachers about things like biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. Things like what does truth look like in a pluralistic world. Things like how how do we use platforms that we have to be a beacon of hope to people. But the other 50% of the year, we're gonna be going through a book. Last year, we didn't do technically a book. We did the Minor Prophets. The previous year, we did Ephesians. And we believe the book that's gonna take us forward this year is the Acts of the Apostles. So we're gonna be doing the book of Acts this year, and it's an exciting book, and it's gonna give us momentum. What does it look like to be a spirit-filled church on mission? The book of Acts is gonna describe that. What does it actually practically look like to bring hope in our places and spaces? The book of Acts is going to describe that. What does it even look like to be the church? What are the essential ingredients of church? I think we've lost a lot of perspective. The book of Acts is going to help us in that. And so the book of Acts is going to be where we are parking this year, and I'm going to be kicking us off right now. And we divide the book of Acts into little mini series, but we're actually just unpacking texts as we go. And the first mini-series we've called Revival. Now, um, you can bring the graphic up for the revival thing. Now, revival is a topic that some people get freaked out about. Some of you are like, oh, what, is you, what do you mean revival? You know, we want to know the parameters. But in fact, we've just defined it um, as renewing old truth, that actually revival is something ancient and it's something that God desires. And so we can't be apathetic about revival. We have to have God's idea, his ancient idea, and we have to apply it in our modern context. Just to give you guys a few words about revival, The thing about revival is during a revival, some of the marks of a revival is that sleepy Christians wake up. Something which we desperately need in this world. And that far difficult to reach, non-Christians come into faith. Other marks on a community within a revival is that they have a renewed appreciation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most central thing about a revival is the gospel with a mark of widespread repentance turning from sin on mass, And the third one, which I am praying and contending for in our church, anointed worship. Again, a word that some people are scared of. Anointed worship, and what I mean by that is a heavy sense of God's presence. Something like what happened when Nikki was just talking, and I felt like something was happening in the spirit that actually dropped into people's hearts, something weighty that can happen in worship. It happens during a revival all the time. Another sign of revival is rapid church growth and extraordinary prayer. Something, these things are things we must contend for in our church and in our day. However, revival isn't something that we can manufacture with a one, two, three step plan. The great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said a revival is a miracle. It's a miraculous, exceptional phenomenon It is the hand of the Lord and it is mighty. A revival, in other words, is something that can only be explained as a direct action and intervention of God. Men can produce evangelistic campaigns, but they cannot and never have produced a revival. A revival happens by God's hand alone. However, what the church does is we prepare ourselves for a revival. We remove obstacles that prevent God's hand from moving. What we're going to be taking a look at over the next few weeks is a lot more about revival. I've just given you a teaser. That's just cliffhanger stuff. I'm not going to get more into revival right now because what we're going to be taking a look at over the next few weeks is the greatest and the first revival of all time in the book of Acts, the birth of the early church and as we look at the birth of the early church we're going to learn how to set ourselves up to be part of the great move of god because i believe there's a massive move of revival that god is wanting to do in johannesburg and in south africa and we need to get ourselves in the right posture of our hearts for that to happen we need to ourselves be prepared not just expect god to do it so four things we're going to be taking a look at as i look at acts chapter one and i'd ask you to turn there We're gonna observe four things for a great revival. It's the great stage, the great ascension, the great power, and the great commission. The great stage, ascension, the great power, and the great commission. So if you turn to Acts chapter one on your Bible apps, or you're following along on the Bible screen behind me, the doctor Luke wrote Acts. This is a literal doctor. This is a guy who was a physician. He wrote his first volume called The Gospel of Luke to a guy called Theophilus. I think that's a good name. If you're looking for a baby name when you're having a boy, I think you should consider Theophilus. It's not taken. No one's done it since like the first century. And it means lover of God or friend of God. I think it's super cool. I don't know if my wife says no. She's just shaking her head. Um, But he says here, in the first book, O Theophilus, that's the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Consider this, that at the end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes away. But the statement from Luke is, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach in the last account. In other words, in Acts, Jesus is still acting and teaching, although Jesus is not present on the scene. How so? Because Jesus is teaching and he is acting through the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. The Gospel of Luke describes how God the Father acted through the Son, but Acts now describes how the Son is going to act through the Holy Spirit embodied through his church. Super cool. Super, super cool. Now let's read together Acts chapter 1 from verses 1 to 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. When, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Just by the way, if you are a highlighting person in your Bible, which you should be, Acts 1-8 is the big anchor verse of the whole book of Acts. It all swings on this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, Will come in the same way as He saw Him go into heaven. A very powerful launch, and it actually prepares us for a great revival. So let's kick off. Let's kick off with the great stage. Point number one: the great stage. We have to get our minds into understanding the great stage for this revival, and many of us don't actually know these places that are being spoken of. So I wanted to show you a map. Of Israel you'll see this little pin you can I don't know if it came up yet it is there you'll see this little pin barely even visible over there in the map is Jerusalem that tiny little city in that tiny little country was going to be the place where God was going to do his greatest work in fact Israel is smaller than the Kruger National Park okay so the place I go for holiday is bigger than Israel Yet, God was going to do a mighty work there. Take a look at this next map, and it shows you a little bit more clearly that red square of Jerusalem within that country of Israel was going to be the stage for where God was going to do an immense thing. He said, you're going to be my witnesses there in Jerusalem. You're going to start there. There's like 120 people that God is starting this with just there. In Jerusalem but he said then you're also going to expand and you're going to be my witnesses also in Judea so if you take a look at this next map you'll see this reddish-brown province in the south called Judea that's like a province not a big province by South African standards you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and you will expand and you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and then you're going to expand and you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria which is that blue province just north of Judea and that was people that the Israelites hated. They called them dogs, the Samaritans. The story of the good Samaritan is supposed to be shocking because how can you say Samaritan is good? The racism was prevalent, but God was going to overcome every racist tendency through the power of his spirit. They were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in the province of Judea, and they were going to expand to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in this next map, you're going to see a a map of all the one of the people on AV said is this a sun it's not the sun but it is close to that those are little arrows pointing to all the places where they had planted churches in the early church just during the book of Acts the remarkable thing is the book of Acts only covers 30 years and they started with 120 people some of you hope to live another 30 years That means you have a book of Acts left in your life. Some of you might even hope to live 60 years. You've got two books of Acts worth in your life, and some of you might just have a fraction, but look how much the early church could achieve given just 30 years. It's a remarkable feat, but I want to say today and challenge us, it's the same God that we worship, and it's the same Holy Spirit who empowers us that empowered them so why not us and why not now and why not in 2022 you guys are apprehensive about that it's all starts with concentric circles starts where we placed and moves outwards this next map is a bit weird because of the little circles but it's supposed to show it's a concentric circle building in the places and spaces where they found themselves moving outwards to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is all divided up by Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In fact, if you want to divide up the book of Acts, the first 7 chapters are about them being in Jerusalem and then being in Judea. Chapters 8 and 9 is about them expanding into Samaria, and chapters 10 to 28 is about them going out to all the earth. So the book of Acts describes this great revival. We need to understand the great stage The book of Acts describes an early church. These guys were radical people, and they were obedient to God's great commission. They were a people that didn't consider their own comfort of uttermost importance, but they considered their neighbor more important than themselves. They were radically giving people. They were radically, radically generous people, and they were a bold people who wanted to take the gospel into new lands. Even though they had opposition from demonic forces, from government, persecution, Unjust imprisonment nothing could stop the gospel advance because God got behind it and God wants to reach all of those nations and so through the power of the Holy Spirit Every single thing that was brought to slow down the gospel advance actually fueled the gospel advance. Because there's nothing more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel has not changed. And the same powerful gospel that they set and wanted to expand to the whole world is the gospel that we are actually passionate about. And I want you to be passionate about the fact that God is really interested in His mission. Not in self-preservation, not in trying to survive, but being on the page of this is what God wants in the world. For the gospel of the love of Jesus and what he did on the cross and his resurrection to be known in all of the world. And in, a, in two years where it's all just been about survival, it's time for us to gear shift into what is God really wanting from us. To put ourselves in the mindset that there are people that need to hear about the love of Jesus. The most important thing in the world right now. And why not us and why not now in 2022 so that's the great stage but the other thing we need as rocket fuel is the great ascension now there's three events in the life of Jesus which people like to talk about quite a lot it's the birth the death and the resurrection of Jesus we've got public holidays dedicated to that we've got cards in the shops that you can buy for that but you're gonna struggle to find a card that says happy ascension day and yet It is a travesty because without the ascension it's like um, making dinner a beautiful dinner super expensive and there's no one there to eat it the death the birth of death and the resurrection of Jesus is amazing for those people that were there but it is actually the ascension of Jesus that makes that good news for you here today in South Africa in 2022 the ascension of Jesus is the detonator that makes that all effective for us so we read about it in Acts chapter 1 verse 9 It said, while he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, the ascension, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. I'm thinking those were probably angels or guys who had an interesting dress sense, okay? So two oaks in robes, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up, into heaven will come down in the same way that you saw him go into heaven there's a subtext that they were possibly sad by the fact that jesus was going remember this was their teacher this was a guy they loved and here he's going and these angels draw attention to the fact that the penny hasn't dropped the ascension of jesus is not the loss of the presence of jesus it is the increase of the presence of Jesus because of the ascension of Jesus he gets to send the Spirit of Christ the Holy Spirit to us which is the first reason why the great ascension is so great because the ascension precedes and allows for the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 verse 7 Jesus says nevertheless I'll tell you the truth it's to your advantage that I go away for if I don't go away the helper will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you so the ascension of Jesus allows for him to send his own presence via the Holy Spirit to people which is way better than having a guy called Jesus standing next to you In Israel is to have the spirit of Jesus living inside of you at all times if you want to think I wish I was with Jesus in those days don't even bother you've got the presence of Jesus within you that is better than what they had having a guy called Jesus next to them this is an immense privilege because the great ascension allows us to have this powerful Holy Spirit within us the second reason why the ascension is so great is because Christ is enthroned This is, we sing about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We wouldn't if he wasn't ascended into heaven, because he's ascended into heaven, and then we read that he is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty in all power. We read the snapshot in Revelation chapter 5, where what happens when Jesus is ascended. My favorite verse, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that was in them saying to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. It's a snapshot of what church has got to feel like on a Sunday. It's just like a snapshot of heaven that we're saying worthy is the lamb. He's the king. He's ascended. He's on the throne. And because Jesus died, was resurrected, he took the lowest seat on earth. It says that in Philippians chapter something, verse something, Philippians chapter 2, it says in verse 9, Therefore God has exalted and bestowed upon Jesus the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a great ascension. Because of it, we have a great king on the throne. Not just Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus the cosmic king. And kings deserve honor. And so the application for us in 2021 is to say only Jesus deserves the highest honor and only Jesus deserves the highest praise because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. We shouldn't miss an opportunity in 2022. Did I say 2021 earlier? Holy autocorrect. 2022. Okay. We shouldn't miss a single day to say, King Jesus, you are worthy doesn't matter, like Nikki says, whether circumstances change, whether there might be parliament buildings on fire, we lose loved ones. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus ascended and he is seated in glory and he's my king. And he's worthy to be worshipped with every breath that I have and every day that I have on this earth. And so this, this year should be marked by worship because we are on the rocket fuel of the great ascension and Jesus is ascended. Another application, and this is pertinent to revival, is if we get a picture, a reverent awe and a fear of King Jesus, it will dispel our fear for mankind. The only way to not have fear of man is to have a greater fear dispel it, and that is the reverent awe of King Jesus. That's how we become a bold people like the people in Acts. So it's a great ascension because of this king. But not only does he go up into heaven, but also he prepares a place for us. This is also good news. Jesus' homecoming to the Father prepares for our homecoming to him. It says in John chapter 14, and if I go and I'll prepare, I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. So Jesus' ascension is not just about him going up into heaven. It's about him going to heaven and preparing a place for us. If you were around um, last year with the Minor Prophets, we've spoke about this a lot, that heaven is a prepared place that is for prepared people, that we have to be prepared and ready and longing and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, busy about the things that he wants on his heart. And the fact of the matter is that with this, Jesus preparing a place for us in heaven, it allows us an opportunity. This is another application. For us in 2022, if we can consider and keep our mind fixed on our heavenly home, we will be much less attached to earthly comforts. If you are busy about earthly purposes, it's because your mind is on earthly comforts, bank balances, leave, holiday, travel, all the New Year's resolutions that are so daft. Probably exercise is a good one. I get, on the, I get behind that. Um, but earthly comforts fuel earthly purposes. But heavenly rewards fuel heavenly purposes. And we need to get in 2022 into that mindset that Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2. Since we've been raised with Christ and seated with Him, let us set our mind on the things that are above where Christ is seated, not on the things of earth. We need to be about heavenly purposes and thinking about heavenly rewards help us to streamline that. That's how we get on the Great Commission train, is we're not thinking about ourself, self-preservation, earthly rewards. We're thinking about heaven, and we want to populate heaven full of people so that every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be worshiping the Lamb in heaven, saying worthy is he who was slain to receive worthy uh, honor and glory and honor and wisdom and all that stuff. We need to be about earth, not about earthly rewards, but heavenly rewards in 2022. So just chuck some of the New Year's uh, garbage articles that you're reading and think about what are the articles in the Bible that God is calling you to focus in on. Modern Alcohol, that was a little bit of a remix of that. But because of the fact that Jesus is ascended, he, we have a king, a ruler king that we can worship. Because he goes to prepare a place for us, we can be streamlined for heavenly purposes. And because he ascended, he sends his Holy Spirit. For us, So if we've got the detonator of the ascension, then we can receive the power of that bomb, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, which is my third point. Now, once again, we're going to read this verse because it's mightily important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. A very important verse. Now, when I say you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, I can almost see it on some of your faces that some of you... Are nervous about the Holy Spirit. Some of you think the Holy Spirit is that crazy one in the Trinity. When He comes, stuff happens. He blows where He wants to blow. He goes where He wants to go. It freaks you out. If that's you today, it's okay. You're going to be okay by the end. And then there's other people that, when I say you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, like, it's right, my brother, let's preach it. I've got my anointing oil, let's go. Ready. But actually, for both camps, whether you're nervous about the Holy Spirit or you're a charismaniac, I want you to notice that in this verse, the emphasis is on why the Holy Spirit has to be given. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The important part about the power of the Holy Spirit, now we can, we can, we can map out how to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And actually, as a church, we want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want you to take that step. And if you want to know more about that, we've got a good small group material That some of our small groups are doing about the Holy Spirit. We have initiatives coming up about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We even have a sermon series I can point you to in September that we did about the Holy Spirit. You you, you need power to to be bold. You need power to have spiritual gifts. You need power to resist sin. But ultimately, the focus of this verse is you need the Holy Spirit. Don't leave town without the Holy Spirit because I'm calling you to a high purpose which is impossible without the Holy Spirit and that is to be my witnesses. And so God says it this way in Luke chapter 24. I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed from power on on, on high. Now, I want to emphasize something about the power of the Holy Spirit that is sometimes underemphasized. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is He provides us power to gladly submit to the Lordship, of Jesus Christ okay this is not a charismaniac feast the specific ministry of the Spirit but it's the emphasis right here the Holy Spirit empowers us to submit our life under the glad submission of what Jesus wants and so I want to give it to you in first Corinthians 12:3. it says therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord Except in the Holy Spirit now some people interpret that verse to say you literally cannot form the words Jesus is Lord Without the Holy Spirit a demonic force can't when in actual fact the verse is pointing to the fact that no one can live a life that displays that Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit empowers them and That is something that this verse is very concerned about and it is I promise you My deepest conviction personally in my whole life in the Christian faith is that Jesus is not just my Savior, but He is also my Lord. That means I don't just get to go where I want to go. I don't just get to say what I want to say. I don't believe I hold any independence from God whatsoever because I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that means whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, it's for the glory of God. And I am not free to be my own. I was rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is my Lord. There are places that I will go only because of the fact that Jesus is my Lord. There are places I will never go. Because Jesus is my Lord. There's a way I'll spend my money because Jesus is my Lord. There's a way I will never spend my money because Jesus is my Lord. And if I have that attitude, there's no credit, 0% credit to James. It is the Holy Spirit that leads us to have a life that declares that Jesus is Lord. And we need the Holy Spirit because what God is really asking of us is something that we will not do of our own volition. We don't have the power and that is the Great Commission. We require the Holy Spirit because He wants us to live out the Great Commission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, some of us don't get the word witness, but even the way we use it in English is actually quite helpful for understanding this verse. The Greek word martus means to testify to something important, but to bear witness to that fact is martyreo, to bear witness. Now what God is asking for here is a group of witnesses to martyreo, to bear witness to what Jesus had done. It's describes in the Bible that Jesus is the true witness, that he testified to his Father in heaven and that he perfectly reflected truth. And what happened for that purpose is that he died. He was murdered By his own kin. And that is why the word martyr comes from martyreo. Because he perfectly bore witness. He was the first martyr to die for that. And what God is really asking of these guys in Jerusalem is that they saw the risen King Jesus physically. They physically witnessed that he was risen. And they had to literally bear testimony and witness, not just with their lips but with their lives, that this is a fact that Jesus died, was resurrected, and we bear witness to it. But the story throughout the Bible is not just for them, but for anyone who believes that Jesus is their king, and that Jesus is risen, and that Jesus is Lord. God is calling for each and every one of us to martyrio, to bear witness to that fact with every single one of our actions in 2022, that it has to scream that this means that I believe in God the Father, in Christ the Son, in the Holy Spirit, three in one. Everything we do has to match up and bear, come into alignment with the fact that I believe in Jesus. Are you guys with me? We are called to bear witness, each and every one of us. That's with the words that we say, what we say to our friends, what we don't say. That's what we do with our generosity, with the stuff that we've got with our hands. All that we do is supposed to testify, to bear witness to the fact that Jesus is my king. And the fact is that it's not something that you can outsource. This is something for you. This verse is not for professional Christians. This is not a pastor verse. This is every single person that believes that Jesus is Lord and King you have to testify with your life that that is a fact with all that we do and so i don't know where i'm supposed to be with my notes at the moment but oh yeah here's a good quote from a missionary called Hudson Taylor he says the great commission is not an option to be considered it is a command to be obeyed the problem with the great omission is it's be, the great commission has become the great omission in our day but this is not optional it says in charles swindle says jesus's plan called for action and how he expressed it predicted its success he didn't say you might be my witnesses or you could be my witnesses or you should be my witnesses he said you will be my witnesses and if you believe in jesus and he's your king he is calling you in 2022 to orient your whole life around this, to witness to that. So, if you've lost focus as to what God is really wanting from you in 2022, it's to be His witness. In j- starting in Joburg, moving into Gauteng and to the ends of the earth. This is not the person next to you, this is you. And you can't outsource being a witness. Whether you like it or not, you are an ambassador of God. You're called to speak His words. You're called to do His deeds. If the detonator of the ascension has gone off in your heart and the power of the Holy Spirit is present in your life, there's got to be some shockwaves. And we've got to make some shockwaves here in 2022 in South Africa. We've got to make some shockwaves of Fulfilling this great commission that God has given to us and it's got to be that we stick out from the rest in our Places and in our spaces that God has placed us in our family in our streets with our mates Wherever we find ourselves our fields of influence might be different But we all call to cultivate in that field that God has given us If you think that you don't know enough that you're not bold enough that you're not Convincing enough, don't worry about those things because you have the mountain moving, life transforming, death defying power of the Holy Spirit within you. And that is the most important thing about being a witness. It's something that we can't do in our own strength. Our patch looks different, but we've got the same power. So we've got to wake up because God is wanting stuff from us as the church. He wants us to be a bright, burning witness to the world about who he is. That means we need to wake up and we need to get off of the couch. We cannot fulfill the great commission while saying I'm doing it from my house. It means we have to get up. And we have to say, I can't just listen to the sermon on Wednesday and catch up. I'm here at church. I've got to be with the people of God. I've got to worship Jesus because he's my all. I'm part of the Great Commission. It means we can't miss our small group. It means we can't miss the opportunity in the morning to read our Bible and pray because we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means we've got to get out on the streets. We've got to have a public faith because there is no such thing as a private faith in the Bible. It means that we have to literally mobilize ourselves from the stupor that we found ourselves in in the last two years and say, but I'm a disciple of Jesus I'm his witness and it's on me and not on my watch will it be the great omission I'm part of the great commission and that's who I am so we need to mobilize ourselves to that and possibly consider the band can come up by the way life if you haven't prompted them um, to actually live the most radically outward focused look that we've had at the beginning of any other year not because 2022 special but because 2022 is as good a time as any for us to actually live out what jesus is asking of his church for us to stand out from the crowd for us to live with radical generosity radical service get up off of the couch because guess what when these guys in jerusalem heard this command you'll be my witnesses they got up off of their couches in jerusalem and many of these guys who were obedient to that commission died every single one of the disciples except for John was murdered and many of the followers of Jesus were murdered for this commission they faced heavy opposition we live in a country where it's easy to share about Jesus but these guys died because they were thinking about the ends of the earth and you were part of that ends of the earth that they had in mind and Jesus had you in mind on the cross and so today we stand here or we sit here with the knowledge that we are part of something. We are part of a lineage of faith. Some people died for you to be a person of faith and now the game is tag and you're it. It's on you and it's on me. Let 2022 not be an inward focused year, but let's be focused on the Great Commission because in 30 years they changed the world. Some of us have 30 years left in, that, in our lives, so why not now and why not here And why not in 2022 at City Hope Church on Pritchard Street in Johannesburg, moving through to Gauteng and to the ends of the earth. We have a mission and we got to get up. So I want to ask you guys to get up and stand to your feet. And we're going to start by putting our stake in the ground of what we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three and one. We believe in the resurrection. That Jesus rose again, and we believe in the name of Jesus. Let's put our stake down in the ground and say that's what we're gonna be about in 2022. Let's sing.